Hello there, and welcome to episode 22 of Kazawa. I'm your host for this episode, Arrow, and as usual, we got... IV, Isaiah, what's good? What's good, man? You know, well, welcome to July, you know, we, we have finally finished the month of June, which is a heavy video game month for us. Honestly, bro, we said we were going to start this show because of video games, and I think June was like us reaching final form on that regard. Yeah, you know, we, we, we getting into the role of things, you know, especially with our little format that we had for last week's Jedi Survivor, you know, but this week, it's not about Survivor. We back to a movie, The Flash. We had a DCEU episode last month in order to prepare for this movie, and now it's out. And it marks history for this movie because even if it wasn't always meant to be part of this universe a flash movie in concept has been around for 30 years yeah man it marks history it marks history for warner brothers it definitely marks history but you know we are looking at it as a dc eu movie you know as we spoke about in our dc eu episode which you can go and listen to to kind of hear some of the things that we may have been excited for which in my opinion i know i'm a bit disappointed in what i was looking forward to specifically but just to give some context iv when did you watch the flash so i saw the flash thursday then the usually these movies come out on fridays but a lot of people don't still somehow know this but you can see them as of 8 p.m on your time zone on thursday so we went to a actually a 7 p.m show and i saw it the first time it aired in this theater um Terrible movie experience. I sat next to somebody in my aisle, bro, that smelled like straight ass, bro. And I'm 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 not trying to be disrespectful at all, but I just kept looking at the clock. I said, yo, I'm gonna be sitting here for two hours and I'm not holding my nose this entire flick. My behind got up and sat in the front row. I'm not talking front row like all the way where your screen, you know, your neck is up. I'm talking like the front row when you first walk in, right there. And honestly, it was a good move. It was a good move. I enjoyed the film and I enjoyed the experience, but we'll get into that. That 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 sucks. I mean, but at least you got to enjoy your experience, you know? I'm going to say something right now. I don't want any pushback from you, okay? No pushback. As of the time that this episode releases, this movie has been my most enjoyable movie theater experience of the year. But we're going to get into reasons as to why that might be. I mean, you love DC, bro, so I'm not surprised, but also I think they paid homage to the fans of DC in general, not just the DCEU, but in general. So I'm not surprised that you enjoyed this experience to that degree. That's good to hear. Now, as we're jumping into this, we just wanna say that as we speak about this film and the acting that we saw in the film, We are not supporting any of the wildness, crazy, whatever we want to call it, things that Ezra Miller may have did or did do, right? We're not saying it's okay at all. When we say, oh, he did a good job or he did a bad job, we're not speaking to who he is outside. We're talking strictly this film. So just know that that's where we're at as we move forward in this conversation. I loved him in this movie. Oh, I mean, I personally believe that this has been his best acting in this role you know we've seen him four or five times and i think that this is where he really nailed his acting ability i still think there's a lot wrong with the characterization but in terms of his just performance i think he did great in both of those roles you know even with the cgi included like i I think he did great 
you know, the CGI has nothing to do with the actor's ability to voice and play the character. And any moment where he was on screen twice as, you know, his multiverse version of himself and himself, uh, I believed it. I I believed it also, you know, whether he needed to be sad, angry, serious, or happy, comedic, you know, I believed it all as both characters. Now, when it comes to the characterization of Barry Allen, I just feel like writers nowadays, whether it be here or the Flash TV show or many other things, they want the Flash to be Wally West. They love the characterization of Wally West, but they love the storyline and the plots that go to Barry Allen. And so they try to mix the two. And it's incredibly annoying to me, but whatever, you know, now that we got that out of the way, Isaiah, we're going to go into act one of this movie. What, what did you think of the first act? Honestly, man, I was like, I <laughs> like, like now, nah, now nah, here's, here's my thing. It was cute. Wonder Woman coming back, Gal Gadot coming and playing Wonder Woman for the last time. That's going to be her last time. So that was cool. Um, I love Ben Affleck Batman. We already talked about this, right? If you tap into the DCEU episode, we said that this Batman and this Bruce Wayne from Ben Affleck is, is great. So seeing him and then getting to see him play Bruce Wayne in that opening act, um, I am pre- I appreciated it. I appreciated him in the film. It didn't feel like a wasteless cameo. Wonder Woman did. Just to get a couple funny lasso of truth jokes off, like and, and, and progress the progress the movie. Um but that being said, what I loved about Batman the most in the opening act, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is because it's important for our character, um, is the fact that he talks about loneliness and he tells him the truth that he needs to realize throughout the rest of the film. I think they set everything in motion so organically that I believed his reason for going out and doing what he did. I knew what was coming. We knew the flashpoint concept of multiverse theory. This isn't our first movie, freaking multiverse theory movie, like everything everywhere all at once, Spider-Verse. It wasn't even the first multiverse movie to release in the month of June. So all that being said, you know, like we knew this was coming, but they grounded his emotional reasoning for going on the journey very well. Yeah, I definitely think they did ground that very well. You know, you you using some crazy language right now. I feel like it's a little bit disrespectful. Like, yeah, that's cute, you know. So let let me let me let me match that energy and swing that way towards Marvel, since I know I know you a Marvel guy, right? With Wonder Woman, they did the same thing that they do with all the other Marvel characters. When Captain America flashes up in a Thor movie real quick, you know? It's just a connected universe, bro. Everybody wants to clap their hands when Captain America's on screen for two minutes and, and jump and scream, oh, whoopee. But then why why, why why is that different energy for Wonder Woman is all I'm trying to say. Like, especially now that we know that it's there, it's her, it's her last time. But, you know, just to quickly run through the, the rest of that opening act that you jumped over, you know, title card with flash running from central to gotham right that was dope in my opinion like i really feel like when he was running and it showed us the entire pathway that he would take that was dope i love seeing step one all the way to step two like great shit the hospital sequence 
for better or worse, look-wise, I thought it was extremely fun. I loved the entire Batman chase scene on the bridge. You know I love Ben Affleck's Batman. It was just also comic booky, spectacular, and I feel like I just had a smile on my face the whole time, man. Like, I, I just did. Is the first act your favorite part of the movie, though? The way I see the first act, it's from the moment the movie begins up until they pull up to Michael Keaton's house. I think I might like the first act the most because it feels flash like centered as a DC comic fan. It felt very DC comics world is alive type vibe. So it it might be, it might be my favorite part of the movie. And listen, man, you're going to hear me say it a lot. This movie was just fun as hell. It was a fun film. It was a fun film. And I think that that's where like when we jump into the second act here, I'm so conflicted because some of my favorite moments in the movie happen in the second act, but the second act is where everything fell apart for me. Like I was riding this thing like, whoa, we might launch off into the stratosphere. Like this could be a really great ride. Like this is going to be a great movie. And then it was in the second act where I said, ah, it's a DC film though. You, I'm not going to lie. Um, and we go dive into that a little bit more, but talking about driving up to Michael Keaton's Batman's mansion, Bruce's mansion, um, loved the music behind the fight scene when they first meet him. They did a great job with music in this. They did a great job with sound all together for sure. Um, say what you want about CGI, but it sounded like it sounded beautiful. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it, but there's that, that, that scene in the kitchen holds my favorite one of my favorite scenes from the movie which is the before multiverse. or after the fight no after the fight the multiversal explanation coming from batman the way that he breaks it down with the um analogy of the spaghetti was such a smart way for them to set themselves apart from other multiverses and it challenges the other multiverses and he says you've probably watched the movie at some point and you can you know batman's lines are written to speak to us not just barry and i think they did a great job with that and then my favorite joke of the movie gets dropped and it's really quick and it's younger barry says after the spaghetti analogy and the sauce and the mess, he goes, what does the Parmesan mean? And then the older Barry goes, it doesn't mean anything. It's not a part of the analogy. And it's mad funny, bro. I started busting, bro. I started busting out laughing and everyone was mad quiet in the theater. I don't think anybody caught that joke at all, but that John had me dying. Cause that's also word to Ezra's acting. Like you have to time your jokes with yourself. You're snapping, bro. It's so good. He did a great job at that. They were definitely doing their thing with with that little explanation there. It's not my favorite multiverse explanation. I would definitely say the Flash TV show has mine with the broken cup. And even if you fix the broken cup, it was never the cup that it once was. Joke-wise, I don't even know if I have a favorite joke in the damn film because I, I had a smile on my face the entire time. But I feel like the second act blends very well with the first act. However, I definitely know that the second act is where my analytical eye started really being aware of certain things compared to the first act. Like that second act, I was really like, hmm, hmm, okay, weird, all right. And that's what I'm trying to say too. It's not, it's definitely more of that. Not like it fell apart, like I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I just feel like 
plot holes and also just certain pacing and also just certain performances. There's just, I started to not feel like 100% foot on the gas. You know, since you bring up the topic of performances, I want to jump straight into a character I know you and I probably feel a little bit differently about based on one interaction that we had with each other. So I want to talk Supergirl. Yeah, let's jump right into her because honestly, bro, Supergirl, I thought she was mid from the moment she hopped on the screen. I th I felt like every scene she was in was cringe. It was cringe. I felt like her... At Do you know what this... Do you know what this S means? Stop. Just stop. Just stop. And I like the idea of like him falling in love with her as a person, as a hero, because he's young and he's looking for a girl and it's the first girl he meets that's a super and he starts to get all gas about it. And then we see that's part of why he goes hard later on. Her existence as a character is cool, but her performance as an actress, I'm not excited about her being a potential return for Supergirl in the future. I didn't think she did that well. I think that she only has one acting face and I felt like all of her scenes were mad cringe. And so, I don't know. It was like the first scene that hit. I know I sound like a super hater, but I was tight I, when I knew she was gonna be on screen again. When she brings him down from the sky after getting electrocuted, I was like, this girl is trigger. She's trash. When she spoke to Jen Zod, I was like, she's so mid. Honestly, I don't know if that was my experience, man. I just, she was definitely a one mood type character. I know people say the same thing about Superman and Batman versus Superman, but um, yeah, I thought she did all right for, for what she needed to do. I just, I, it was understandable from the character's experiences in the film. I just think that corny might be a little too much, but I know you like the word corny, bro. I know you do, and I know that sometimes you be calling people corny a little bit too early, and then you check out, you know? But, but hey, maybe that's just my take on your, on your word of corny. Well, maybe it's not corny. Maybe corny is the wrong word, but I just didn't feel she was believable. Sure, I can hear you on believable. I can definitely hear you on that. Now, before we move forward, I want to take a little trip back to the first act, where the, the dark flash, as he is called, kicks Barry out of his little time chamber. Because... The movie kind of just adds it in there and then takes it away from you because it does want you to maybe forget about it a little bit until it comes back around in the end. But I just thought it was an interesting dynamic to like have it show up, no explanation, and then boom, disappear for everything. You know what I'm saying? But did you already guess that that was him? Oh, 100%. The moment they didn't show his face, I figured it was him. I didn't. I mean, no blame to you, right? Because the movie doesn't really do a crazy job to maybe say that it, it was him until they straight up just show it with the spikes on the old Barry. So like it could go either way. You could know it, figure it out, not know it. it, it there's, it, there's no blame if you didn't do it or you did do it. But earlier I said that the first act might be my favorite because it felt like the act focused on the flash. So while we're looking at act two, let's talk about it. Like it's Michael Keaton's act. Can we, can we agree on that? Sure. Like the act starts pulling up to his house and ends leaving his house like come on now um one thing i want to say about him is if someone were to tell me that michael keaton has the best live action batman fight scene i would be like okay i understand i knew you were gonna say this i knew you were gonna say this as i watched it like dude is 70 years old bro 
gliding in, lifting dudes up, slamming them down, throwing batarangs, throwing people through walls. It was fantastic. Like, Ben Affleck is still my number one scene, but damn, this is close. And, and you know what? This was a, a lot of it was done like very focusedly versus Ben Affleck. There was a lot of cuts and stuff. So, I mean, like, it might be one of those depending on the day situations for me, man. It, it was just fantastic. It really was. And it's like, ain't it crazy how, like, Shout out to Marcus, you know. This man was fighting better than Christian Bale's Batman. Like, that fight scene alone was better than anything Bale gave us during his run as Batman. Which is not his fault, but he's the only way we could talk about it. And come on, son. Michael Keaton, man. I agree with the Christian Bale point. It was a great moment. I really just felt like Keaton was handled well. I feel like Batman was handled well in this second act. I just think that... He was the focus, you know? We know that Keaton has been in this mentality for a while, ever since Vulture. Because when, when Tom Holland and him were fighting, Tom would say that he would hear Keaton say, I'm Batman under my breath. <laughs> so imagine being Tom Holland. That's actually hilarious. Uh, he did a great job. They gave him, and, 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 the, and the weight was on his back, and he delivered. But Barry, as a complimentary character to Batman, Again, I, I, I didn't realize how much I had overlooked appreciating that friendship. It goes from Justice League. It goes from him finding him with the suit, you know, and, and, and kind of not mentoring him, but kind of inviting him in as a geek, as a respecter of his science and his gadgetry. I love how Kean carried that in this. Their conversations were very highly intellectual. They were very straight to the punch. I definitely loved their relationship in this movie. I've always loved this like mutual respect that Barry and Bruce have for one another. And I feel like that was showcased very well here. I, uh, I want to talk about General Zod, right? We've spoken Supergirl. We've spoken Michael Keaton. So moving into like some third act, because right, because that's where he is a lot. I just feel like the, he was my number one most looking forward for like when we spoke a few episodes ago, I said, Michael Shannon, I'm there for that. You can tell he showed up, got his paycheck and left. Like he's come out and said, he feels like man of steel was good enough for him that he didn't really care much for this experience. And I can see why bro. Zod is literally just the plot device to get Barry to form the justice league in this messed up timeline. And it's just like, damn, they really did him like that, man crap even even your girl who i know you love his like lieutenant the one that whoops ass like it just felt like they were all there because they needed to be and oh look it would be cool to have them come back which i'm glad they all came back because it just would have felt weird to have masked up versions of them but either way i'm like damn i'm disappointed they were only used as a plot device rather than something interesting Exactly, which is jarring because it's like that means everything from the second act feels so disconnected from the conclusion of the story, and you feel it no matter no matter how you watch, like you <laughs> you feel it. Now again, you look past those things because of the great things that are in Act Three, which have to do with the Flash. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved a lot of the Act Three stuff with the Flash. Like number one. Letting the Flash have powers that the Flash is supposed to have, you know? What what put smiles on my face the entire time was 
whenever he would just do something, I was like, yo, that's the Flash. Like, when he ran around in a tornado and then throws the tornado on the battlefield, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's the Flash. Beating enemies at super speed and everything, I'm like, yes, do Flash stuff, man. I'm, I'm, I was tired of the CW show, even just through clips, because I abandoned that show, but just through clips of seeing him with a lightning whip lightning lightsaber like it was like damn bro let him just do the little tornado and throw it or things like that like i I was here for all of that now when it comes to act three like i know we just talked about the flash but like man the back seat that michael keaton took in that last act hurt it's like damn he he shouldn't have been treated as such a huge main character like yeah secondary character sure but man him being the backbone of act 2 really hurt the act 3 experience for for him um these are just things that i don't know man i i i, I think they're inevitable when you're trying to piece together a film like the one that they're piecing together on the back end of the DCEU i mean yeah you know j- just to move forward without really going crazy much into like oh this person deserved or didn't deserve this or deserve to be here like the climax of the movie happens when general zod kills supergirl and young barry decides he needs to go back in time and fix it when younger barry was the one to go back in time i knew he was the dark flash i knew it earlier and i, I had definitely been like yep he's gonna push himself and that's exactly what happened but a little bit before that, when the two Barrys are discussing with one another, like, this is what you can do. This is what you can do. Yada, yada, yada. I was like, yo, this is this is fire right here because they're trying to explain to each other why they believe the other person is right. Like, why am I right? Why are you wrong? And older Barry is trying. He's trying to tell him, like, yo, listen, man, this is this is why you're wrong. I know this information. Yeah. And he's talking to himself. The concept is insane. Multiverse at its finest is an emotional multiverse moment as monumental as a moment of, you know, um, the mom, I mean, the, the wife from everything, everywhere, all at once talking to her husband in different timelines. Like this is a connection with himself that's very deep and important. The moment of realization that Bruce warned him about. And what he has to let go of. And I, I really think what's cool is not to look too, too deep into it. But, you know, if Zack Snyder can make a Martha connection between Superman and Batman, right? That this is fair ground. I think his infatuation with not letting Supergirl go, that concept of saving the person who is important to him after knowing that his mom has died because he heard the conversation him and Batman had before they went out for this fight. That was kind of like a subliminal notion of why he's so erratic or why he's overcompensating. And I think they wrote that really well because then that's the very drive and trauma that carries him into becoming Dark Flash. Like that concept is cool. So is this the concept that was tweeted about when you said the concept of the Flash is timeless? Exactly. That's the lesson that he has to learn. It's the the great power comes with great responsibility. Same way we have canon events, you have canon motifs and themes, and that's the big theme for Flash, for sure. You know, so with you bringing up that lesson, the question that I need to ask is, did Barry even learn anything by the end of this movie? Because he just went ahead and did something that he just told himself not to do anyway. He just decided to change something that he wasn't supposed to change. Yeah, I didn't like that decision either. But at the same time, I did. And here's why. Because the lesson 
is the same way he's quick to still choose to save is the same way that the multiverse and the concept of traveling in time and the butterfly effect proves itself to still be true. So when he sees that Ben Affleck is not Batman and it's George Clooney, he knows, ah, my actions still have repercussions no matter what. And maybe that's minor, but at the end of the day, it opens this up to this concept that this character will always wrestle with this power that he has. And that was flash as fuck, you know? And so they landed that shit for me, bro. They landed that shit for me. And it saved the film when it ended at that point. When he did that, I was like, yeah, they cooked. Because you have to think about it in the grand scheme of things. I think for the not so major consumer, someone who just walked in trying to see like, oh, The Flash, like a superhero movie. Let's just go see it. They may not appreciate the way the story was told, but I think as people who are geeks who watch this stuff, read this stuff, have seen other versions of it, you get geeked out by those kind of, you know, writing techniques. You know, I think something that we need to speak about is the fact that this movie was probably going to have a sequel because it didn't have a pitch perfect ending. It was probably going to be Barry got to go back, fix his mess again. And like that being said, I wish the movie did have a better way to get Henry out of jail that didn't sacrifice the story that Barry just learned. But I hear what you're saying. You know, when George Clooney walked out of that car, bro, I was like dying laughing because my friend AI and I had a conversation a few days before about who we wanted to hopefully see. And he was like, I don't want to see George Clooney. And so when Barry's on the phone with Batman and it's clearly not Ben Affleck, I looked at him and he was like, nah, nah. And he stepped out of the car and it's him. And I was dying laughing. I was like, yes, it's okay because it's George Clooney. It's right. And a casual, a casual viewer may not know that George Clooney was Batman. They just may think they got another cool, like, rich man, rich Bruce, you know? Yeah, I could easily see people being like, damn, what is he doing here, you know? But this actually brings me into a point that I want to make for the future of DC and what their plans are. Now, you can get you can give me some pushback here. Uh, I just feel like... Right now, their smartest decision, as much as like it sucks to say, right, would be to not release any more movies until Superman Legacy. You know, Blue Beetle and Aquaman, even with everything that they're saying about Blue Beetle, that he is in the next DC universe, I, I want to say you, you push it digitally or you hold that Blue Beetle. You just you keep that, hold that for a long time. Because right now, this brand is hurt. It is scarred in people's minds. There's a lot of negativity around it. Flash is bombing at the box office. Like, I think that there needs to be a recovery time. And the more movies you push out before the start of your next universe, that's even more scarring and stabbing that you're going to do to this branding that it, it can't take. People are going to show out for Superman because it's Superman. People would show out for Batman. People would show out for Spider-Man and they're going to show out for Superman. So if you release that first Superman movie and it's a banger and then you say, well, this is something new. People might be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's an excellent take, bro. I'm hearing you 100%. I think that would be their smartest decision, their wisest decision. But at the same time, just... uh, 
they're dead already to me, me personally. And it could just be because I'm tapped in and I've watched the movies and we just talked about all these things, like maybe a normal consumer that isn't as invested in the DC universe or in superhero film may not be able to appreciate that. For me, it's like, you're dead already. We know the new shit comes in Superman. <laughs> I'm ready for that. They made the announcement that Blue Beetle is going to be canon and he will be a part of the next universe. What's your take on that? What's your take on actors coming from the old into the new? I think that the best way to go is to just get rid of everyone, which we already know James isn't going to do. But I think it'd be just the smartest decision because what you don't want to do is you don't want to confuse people and you don't want to make people feel alienated. Right? So they see Viola Davis in charge of a suicide squad and they see John Cena in his role and they think, damn, I got to play catch up to understand all these characters, even if they don't have to. And that's going to confuse people. And then on the other side, you have alienating people, right? Because people can learn to cope with a fresh new universe. But... Can they really learn to cope with the fact that you threw away Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck, but decided to keep other people from that same universe? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It just feels like the best thing would to be a brand new, fresh, clean, white board, you know, like just start from the beginning. It's just weird to me. And like, like, think about it. James is keeping the people that he kind of interacted with, which is weird. How his projects are the ones that get to survive a little bit. That's that's that that could be scummy. But Blue Beetle's a different case because if this movie comes out and there's zero ties to anything based on the DCEU, you could make the argument that hey, it's okay that he's around, right? You could just workshop that in saying it's oh it's it's something new, but like this new Aquaman movie should not count for shit in this new universe, bro. Like it just shouldn't. So I say start anew. And, you know, back to the Blue Beetle point real quick. Like, that's why I say maybe they, they just put that in the vault for a little bit and then release it later. But we just going to have to see, bro. I say reset. I say reset. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, man. You've made it clear. I think it's just the simplest and the wisest way to just play it safe. Uh, absolutely, man. Look, to, to jump back to the Flash, right? What did you think about the CGI in the movie? Because I've seen a lot of people complain about it. And I've got a take on it, but I want to hear yours first. It was bad, man. CGI was bad in the sense of, um, I think they used a little bit too much of it on certain pieces and places. But at the same time, when I figured out that it was the guy who did it, that did chapter two and one of it, um, and his use of CGI in that movie was so tasteful, um, in my opinion, on how they approached using it stylized wise, I think they did a great job um, providing style to certain scenes. So people who are killing all of the CGI and saying there shouldn't have been any or that it was ugly. No, I think there's some really cool decisions they made here. And so I believe him when he says that they decided to warp the faces because it's supposed to reflect what the Flash sees. Like, I believe it. You know, for me, in, in that whole face warp thing, I think that's obviously really tailored towards the end of the movie with all of the little cameos that we get. So before I handle that, I just want to say that I think that a lot of the CGI to me was like decent. I, I didn't think it looked terrible. Like, you know, the baby faces were wild. I know people are sick of slow motion running, but I didn't really mind it. I thought the final act location 
was ugly as hell. Like, I don't understand why they just picked a random bland looking desert, I guess. Like, I don't know. It was just not appeasing to look at for that final battle. But back to the faces, I think that it was definitely a stylized choice to have it be CG. Right? We can talk about whether or not it was a good decision, but it was a decision in my opinion. Like, there are scenes straight out of Justice League where it's like, if they wanted to, they could have just pulled that from the archive, but instead they recreated it in CG to make it feel awkward because that's what Barry sees in the Speed Force, like you said, you know? So, I think those were choices that were definitely made intentionally. But my complaint about that scene is Andy Muschietti seemed to just have access to whoever he wanted. I mean, he said that. And he only picked things that I think were meaningful to him. He only picked what he would like to see. Like the two Supermen or Supergirl or Adam West Batman. Like, it's kind of wild that there is not a Grant Gustin looking figure or a John Wesley Shep looking figure. Ain't that crazy? Like... How he could have did that just for fun because this is a Flash film and just he decided not to. Like, to me, that's what's weird about that scene. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, bro. And I can understand as a Flash fan how you feel about that concept. As a DC fan, you know, as like that being your your your, your side. And, and you know, um, while we're on this, I just want to say that I feel like the George Reeves thing, that's a little sketchy. I don't know if they should have done that. Chris Reeves, I'm okay with because it's a middle ground. I know that there has been things that have been said that he didn't want things to get to this point, but that was before everything that happened with him. And so I think it was kind of like a nice way to just honor him. But um, Nick Cage was cool. He was cool as hell. I, I loved seeing all of that. I uh, Supergirl was okay, you know, that weird flash, whatever, you know, I just think it was a, it was an interesting moment, or Adam West was cool, it, it was just an interesting moment to me that I was like, hmm, I like it, but I don't like it, but I get where he's coming from, but yeah, um, you know, it was still just an incredibly enjoyable experience to, for me to watch this movie, like, it was just a fun-ass time, It's a, it was a fun time, it's been a while since I could say, that I watched a movie in theater that just had me smiling the whole time and saying that was a fun time. Like I didn't go out thinking so deeply about everything. Like, Holy crap, this, that, what, what, you know, like I did with across the spider verse, which is still my movie of the year. I just think oh, that smile from beginning to end had me. It was an awesome experience, man. Uh, but I do think that the trailers gave a lot away. I, I do. I felt that way before and I felt that way again. I I just, I still feel that way after watching the movie. There was just too much in them trailers, man. Word, I feel that. They definitely folded on those trailers. There was just too much. I mean, you already said this in our trailer episode. We're starting to get to the point where it's like, if you listen to Kazawap, you'll, you'll know what we're going to say before we say it because we've already said it in a couple of our other episodes. Um, you know, and, and to, to just... Bring us into the final real conversation about this movie, eh? DC, yeah. Andy Muschietti has been hired to direct Batman Brave and the Bold. How do you feel about that? I'm extremely excited. You know, for those who don't know me, It Chapter 1 and 2 are two of my favorite. I actually consider them just one whole 
favorite experience film wise. So I like Andy a lot. Um, that could be my bias in the CGI, but the darkness, exploring the darkness of Batman, I think will be something Andy will be doing a really good job at. And then everything that I loved from the action, the the pacing of this movie, I, I'm excited to see if they could do Batman right by Michael Keaton. He's gonna do a great job uh, with whatever it is he chooses and whoever the actor is. I would prefer an actor that is brand new. Hey, I, I think when it comes to any of these DC heroes right now, you get someone who's not very well known, unknown, so that you can build the universe around them rather than having to fit into their A-list schedule. You build a universe around them and you pick them because they'll agree to go long-term with these characters. Yeah, I was saying this to, to somebody the other day that I, I miss the age when these movies made actors. You know, I think we're going to get back to that kind of tradition sooner than we think, especially with Superman Legacy, but we kind of ran through this episode like The Flash. You know, we went in a little quick because at the end of the day, we enjoyed the movie, we had problems with the movie, and that's about it. We didn't go crazy. We didn't deep dive. And, and that's okay. You know, that's going to be that way for some of these movies. We're just glad that we can come together and talk about them with each other and get to have some of that feedback from any listeners out there. So any feedback that you have about The Flash, please send it in. Comment it on the YouTube and the Spotify. We would love to hear more opinions about this movie. And, you know, thanks for tuning in. Stick along with us as we continue to talk about what drops TV shows, movies. Uh, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Cuzzle Wop, where you'll always find two cousins, one podcast, and endless entertainment. Thanks. <laughs>